39 episodes, a handful of Friday specials, 13 editions of fan camps, one expletive, and a lot of frustration with technology, welcome to the Season 2 finale of the Brisbane Football Review. It's Three Stooges, James, Scott, and Adam back for the DFS Fan Network. How are we, guys? Just one expletive. That's pretty good for us when you think about it, really. Yeah, That's... definitely. And it wasn't, you know, one of the three exactly, of us that yeah. actually did it. Swear jar next year, I think. <laughs> Adam. A very well-prepared uh, introduction, that. Yeah, well, I haven't done a scripted-out introduction since, I think, about episode 20, so... <laughs> yeah. So, the A-League season's over and done with, so we're getting ready to take a little bit of a break as well. But before we do that, we've got one more episode for you, and boy, is it a jam-packed edition after last week's, I suppose, fairly brief foray at Corporate Travel Management Stadium. Yes. You still don't get anything for that, I don't think. No, but... Oh, I think I'm keeping uh, Simon happy, so... (laughs) That's probably the most important part of all of that. All right, so let's get started with some off-field news that's been going on with the Brisbane Raw, and we'll uh, continue on with the Adam Taggart signing, which broke on Tuesday last week. First of all, I've got to lead off with how much fun are Perth fans' tantrums on this whole thing? What about the Perth owners' tantrums? That's the best one, isn't it? I mean, seriously. I mean... I find it hard to believe that the club didn't know that that was happening. Yeah, As it's... I've said, I mean, surely you would have some idea. Oh, absolutely. As Adam Taggart said, I think it was on Player's Voice later in the week. I think there and was he something... Pretty much was... he told them on Monday night that I'm I'm leaving and... Yeah. So I'm, I don't buy the fact that they didn't know. I just... A little bit salty in Perth. What a surprise. I can't imagine them ever taking anything just a little bit too seriously. Obviously, Tony Sage isn't um, too familiar with how the Bosman transfer or the free transfer, free agent transfer works because at the end of the day, you know, he's free to leave. He's he's been free to leave since to negotiate since January. So he might have agreed that I'll wait for a Perth coach, but this offer was probably put to him and said, if you don't sign it now, it might not be there. Yep. Yeah, so, and if it, and that's actually a good bit yeah. of negotiating from the raw, where yeah. if they, where, you know, essentially if you're giving Taggart an offer, yeah. what, what's to say he can't take that back to Perth when they sign a new coach and go, can you match this? Yeah. They also might have had another option in mind if Taggart didn't take it, that they wanted to move on. Well, because one thing that kind of jumped out at me for this was, how are you getting all the Tony Sage rants? And apparently he's just got a public Facebook page. <laughs> well, go figure. I, I, look, I think if he. Irrespective of how he felt personally, I didn't think it came off very well as, you know, an owner of a football club, you know, to, to sort of go off cooth like that. You know, it's it's not very professional, though. Mind you, I think Tony Sage has been um, guilty of letting his emotions, you know, get the better of him, <laughs> unfortunately. So, yeah, I think 2012 rings a bell. <laughs> to be honest, but, um, He's still celebrating that game, isn't he? I think so, yeah. yeah. It did actually prompt, though, a thought in my head. I'm curious to get your opinions on this. Are the Raw in Perth's head more than any other team in world sport? And that includes, like, the New England Patriots over the Indianapolis Here Colts and AFC East, <laughs> Jose Mourinho over Arsene Wenger and whatnot. Like, LeBron si- over the Toronto Raptors. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, almost, I, that it's almost as if the, every time we think that it's simmering down, mm. something happens to sort of... To, to sort of raise yeah. tensions again between Brisbane Raw and Perth Glory. So, I don't know if it's a local 
you can't recall a local derby or even you know a derby source, but I'll tell you what, they it says there's a lot of um of anguish between two clubs. If you both right? get your wish, it'll be the distance derby of the A League soon enough. Yeah, it... but <laughs> it's a good source of talent though for the Raw. So if, if Perth, you can start developing a couple more players for maybe 2020, we can bring over. That'd be great. Uh, and then they'll be in Melbourne in 2023. Yeah. Exactly, <laughs> it's a cycle, right? It's a circle of life, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah, just looking at some of the reactions from some of the far post Perth. We should, you know, give a plug for our colleagues from DFS Fan Network. But some, some of the, like some of the reactions, like he's gone and signed for our biggest rivals. Really? Wow. Cool. I didn't realize we were anyone's biggest rivals in this league. I'll take it though. Not, yeah. not since we buried the old Gold Coast United. That's for sure. Yeah. So I'm starting to develop a li- little bit of a pattern with uh, news breaking at the moment, where every time I have to, you know, sort of go and close myself off from the news for a little while, <laughs> something seems to happen. Now, oh, Thursday funny. night, I was preparing for an indoor game out at Newmarket, yeah. and next thing I know, I come back to about 20 Facebook notifications <laughs> yeah. and a string of messages from YouTube yeah. talking about, well, first of all, the rumoured Dylan Wenzel Hall signing for the Raw, yeah. and also the links with Danny De Silva. Let's get started with D- Dylan Wenzel Halls because come Friday, that signing was announced. Yeah, that's, it's, we kind of, it was kind of being leaked out over the last week, wasn't it? There were strong rumours at Corporate Travel Management Stadium. Yeah, there were whispers going night, around when the he ground. Was restri- yeah. When he was taken off the team's sheet, something was up. It's a fantastic signing. It really is. It's great for the It's great for the Raw to have a good young player like that in the squad. It's also great for the local competition. It really does show there is a part of there. If you, if you work hard enough and you're good enough, you will get an opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And it's great that he's in Brisbane as well because he's local and they can really market that. Well, because there had been the rumours of him going to the Central Coast yeah. Mariners, which are essentially, you know, half a step up from the NPL, whereas <laughs> now he's going to a proper A-League side. <laughs> I like oh, it. Oh, yes. <laughs> half hey, a look, step up yeah. being generous, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Hey, look, I've got at least a month before <laughs> I have to worry about any sort of repercussions <laughs> yeah. from things I say here. So, <laughs> swinging for the fences. <laughs> So Mike Mulvey doesn't listen to this, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, anyway. So, we've got to talk about uh, his previous Raw stint, Adam. Oh, look, um, again, it's the same as we talked about um, previously with uh, Joe Champions, is that it didn't set the world on fire. And, you know, three goals in 19 games, he sort of really wasn't. Uh, but it just shows that, you know, you never give up on a young player. Players thrive in different environments. You know, congratulations to Graham Harvey and everyone over at Western Pride for developing you know, a very, very good player. You know, who I think my only concern is that, and like it's great that all of a sudden, especially on our page as well, that you know you see a lot of fans excited. Yeah. But we don't want to. You don't want to hopefully you know, think that he's the Messiah. That you know he's the he's the answer to all the goal scoring woes and what the NPL level. Had. <laughs> now, look at the end. Of that, he's still a young player. He's going to improve. He has got the potential to be a fantastic player. But. I just hope people are not expecting that in October, November, that you know they're all going to get disappointed and start you know, having a go at the club when he do- if he doesn't start, you know, he's not starting by November. He's going to be he's going to be a long term project. Now, I know I think he's on a one year deal, but you know you look at uh, Kenny Attu down at um, Melbourne. You took that right out of my yeah. mouth. That's the blueprint. You know about MPL players, they're going to need time because you've got to remember he's going from you know once or twice a week training to be now a full full time professional. That does yeah. take time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, just following on from that, like that should if I'm John Aloisi, I'm calling up Kevin Musket and going, All right, how did you, you know, coach Kenny Athew along yeah. with that step up from NPL to the A League? Yeah. Because 
as much as some would love to believe that they're on par, they're quite clearly Kevin's not. Kevin's probably hung over still, though. But, <laughs> but he, the other good thing Dylan has is his versatile. Kenny's a number nine and one position only in the squad. Dylan can play out wide. He probably plays more on the left for Western Pride. He can play through the middle on the raw. You mm-hmm. used him on the right. So he's got a bit of versatility about him as well. So you could see him play in multiple different positions for the raw. Certainly. And we should also mention his time with Western Pride, I feel like his highest his highlight from <laughs> yeah. there is going to be that match-winning free kick in the grand final, which, speaking of expletives from the introduction, <laughs> I think that just brought out a whole bunch in that yeah. crowd yeah. that night. No, that was amazing, though. It really was. Just, it was great. It was actually great that the Raw actually posted that video, because yeah. I, I, well, we, we, were, we were there. Yeah. But, we like, were standing in the tunnel with, I think, Blake? Yes. Blake from Football Queensland and a couple of other Western Pride officials. Yeah. yeah. And that, like, so that was one of the, the great moments, you know, of that. But, you know, just to actually see it, to see it again. Because I actually, actually, I hadn't seen it on the live yeah. stream. For, I'm, I remember seeing it in person, yeah. but not actually seeing it. There. It was just, like I said, just, it just captured the moment. I think, yeah. you know, while that may not, you know, make him as a player, we at least know that he's certainly in the clutch situation. He's obviously going to grow a little bit of poise about himself. Watching it back, it also reminded me a bit of Beckham for England against Greece in 2001, when they scored last minute to make the World Cup. So, oh. according to Scott, we've just signed David Beckham. Okay. Oh, God, if, he, if, he, if he's a quarter of Beckham, we're going <laughs> to That was James right. who said that, but I'll take it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> now, one of the other rumours that came out on Thursday night, which I think had... Because I was playing indoor with a bunch of Raw fans, and hello, Chris, if you're listening. (laughs) He was frothing at the mouth, quite literally, at the prospect of Danny De Silva uh, being seen having dinner with John Aloisi on Caxton Street. Yes, a local establishment along there. Yes. Yes. (laughs) It took him down to the training ground as well to show him around. Yeah, since I actually have a training ground to show (laughs) off now. It would fit the Raw really well, wouldn't it, to have a young, exciting, creative player in that number 10 role. I know Brett Holman's been in there, but this would be a... A good good replacement. Be, if that's what it does yeah. end up being, that would be a fantastic replacement. It sounds like he's going to Melbourne City, though. Yes, that came out the, on Monday while If you believe running. the not-so-reliable SBS reports. Yeah, so that's where this, that story sits at the moment. But I think look, he's going to decide within two weeks. So I'm a big fan of what Brett Holman's done to yeah. close out the last two A-League seasons, but I, I do feel like he is someone you could potentially upgrade on. Yeah, we'll get into it in the player ratings later, but he just... He hasn't been able to stay healthy. When he's been on the field, he's been excellent. He just hasn't been available as often as you'd like for a key player like that. Yes. Look, uh, you, you, can't, you couldn't begrudge um, Dan DeSilva if he does go to Melbourne City, but I'll tell you what, I'd love to have him here. Yeah. I think, I think yeah. that would be you know, a very, very you know, good piece of the puzzle to have. Yeah. Certainly. All right, we're going to keep moving on. The Raw had their awards night last Wednesday, which we're not going to pull a Robbie Slater about. <laughs> no. But... <laughs> I think a few people have did, actually. Carefully, you keep that up your blocky on Twitter. <laughs> Is that a promise or a threat? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the awards night recap, we'll just run through this quickly because it yep. was a week ago. Yep. Uh, Gary Wilkins medal, Jamie Young, da- and I think Daylight was second. Yes, probably. A-League Players Player of the Year, once again, Jamie Young, and then Daylight second. Yeah. A-League breakthrough player, Connor O'Toole, and hopefully you can turn that yeah. into... Possibly Daylight Second as well there. Yep. Uh, Massimo Macaroni won the A-League Golden Boot. Yep. W-League player of the year, Celeste Barrier, who, by the way, didn't I say she was one of the most important players in the W-League side? You did. You did. You might have stolen that from me, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I would never do that. Well, that's, um, but we... No, when we were talking about over the season, you know, and even the review on W-League was that, you know, it was like, even though... Uh, Claire Polkinghorne ended up going on and tie like, co-winning the um, Julie Dolan medal. 
we thought that we always thought that this side was a little bit more than just Claire. Yeah. That, you know, it was a, there was a number of players, and Susperay was you know she she was you know, magnificent. So you know, very well deserved award. Yep, it's well deserved. I still was expecting Claire to win that, given she was yeah, yeah part of the Dawn. Oh, given she was phenomenal. That was a surprise all night, but yeah. it's a pleasant surprise because you're right, Bray was excellent. Yeah, as much as you can make the case for Polkinghorne, you can also yeah. argue for Celeste as well. W League breakthrough player Abby Lloyd, W League Golden Boot Alira Toby, Club Person of the Year is Melissa Tunstall and Jason Curtin. Yes, that's the goalkeeper coach, yep. Jason. I don't know who Melissa is, unfortunately. Apologies. Yep. Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Theo. Well, I think that was pretty much secured yeah. in that lead-up to the Central Coast game when he announced his yeah. retirement. No, not retirement. Um, yeah, no, retirement careful. We raw. can't call it retirement. Retirement from the His departure. Yeah, departure. I had a discussion with one of our um, fiends about... Uh, the retirement or not? So. Yes, you have and a actually, few discussions on our social media. Yeah, yeah it's fact. <laughs> well, we should actually clarify. So, with Michael Theo, the last piece of information we're working on is when I spoke to him for our Friday special before Easter, which was he's getting his fingers fixed and then he's going to work out what it means from there. Now, whether that's the same as Thomas Broich going to get his ankle fixed and work it out <laughs> yeah. from there to be determined, but we'll yep. see. And possibly the most deserved award of the night, yep. lifetime member, is Dazzles. Absolutely. Yeah, he, right. I don't think I've actually ever seen a football match going on in Queensland without Dazzles around and just helping out. <laughs> there wouldn't capacity. be many of them that have happened, that's for sure. Yeah. So congratulations to all those people. No arguments over really any of those awards. No, nah. <laughs> no not really. And Jamie Young was also named in the PFA Team of the Year because he is the best goalkeeper in the A-League, yep. despite the actions of a certain um, blonde-haired guy in Newcastle on <laughs> Saturday night. Uh, Monday, Socceroos 32-man preliminary squad was named. Daniel Arzani gets rewarded. And Croatian-born Fran Karasic, the bolter. And I haven't even heard of him on FIFA, so... No. Yeah. I don't know, I I don't know if like my Zagreb are uh, licensed to FIFA <laughs> no. by EA Sports. Probably not. I think he's going to make the 23 as well. Yep. I wouldn't at all be surprised if he does. I think he also was last year was either considered strongly or was selected in a Croatian squad but was withdrawn or, or backed out or something. So We'd have to think those two are at least going to get into the 26-man squad yeah. going to Turkey, Turkey for yeah. the training camp, I believe, in a week or two. I'm not sure when it is. But either way... like the, There's six so, A-League players in there as well. Yeah. The, the big issue... With that squad right now, is who's going to play right back? And Karasic is being earmarked as the potential I solution think to that. Twenty-three of the thirty-two players in there are right backs, aren't there? There's a few. You were listening to the Fox podcast. The I way might here, have been you? not on the way. No, not not on the way here. I might have listened to it though. <laughs> yeah, I if Josh Brillante or someone is being played out of position at right back, then I am all of a sudden a lot more nervous for the Socceroos. Yeah. You need versatility in a World Cup squad. All right, so. But, we're going to talk about this probably yeah. a lot more off-air, so let's just get this in right now. Tim Cahill, do you take him to Russia, yes or no? Yes. Scott? He will be going to Russia. Would you? Ahead of McLaren, probably not, but if I'm taking three strikers, I'd take him. I think he's going to go, he'll go. I would, yeah, uh, for me, it's a simple yeah. yes. I'll be taking three strikers, Cahill yeah. is one of them, because frankly, when it comes to a World Cup and producing a yeah. moment of magic, yeah. Cahill has the track record, and while he hasn't been doing it at club level... When he puts on that soccer, he also jersey. showed in the Confederations Cup last year in the third, I think it was the third group game against Chile. He was excellent in his yeah. work rate, his energy. He's still got that in him. He might not be able to start all three games, but he can he can certainly do a job in at least one of them for you. Oh, look! At the end of the day, guys play four World Cups. You know what? You don't leave that sort of experience, especially yeah. with a relatively inexperienced squad. Beyond that, so you know what? The twenty-three men, you're going to find a spot for him. Yep, absolutely. All and I... if not, the FFA are going to 
make you find a spot for him anyway. He'll go over <laughs> as an ambassador that just happens to be putting on a jersey. Yeah. yeah. Last And last story we're going to touch on here, uh, the Asian Cup draw came out for January, which was the Socceroos in Group B with Syria, Palestine, and Jordan. So Might have played a couple of those teams. Your first, yeah, your first yeah. reaction is, oh, that's going to be easy, but... Oh, yeah, no. No, no. yeah, I'm not buying into that after considering, some of the trouble. Considering they were a width of a post away from losing to Syria, I wouldn't be taking that approach at all. No, but you also would be surprised if someone did. <laughs> if you'd be absolutely nuts as a Socceroo fan, thinking that, you, that we can go over to... UAE and you know, and just coast through. Speaking the, of nuts, the UAE hosts kind of thought they and Saudi Arabia were going to make the final and play each other. I think that's about as likely to happen as the three of us playing in the Asian oh, Cup final. Well, I've been stretching. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Look, the only, the only thing I can say why they're fairly confident is probably because you know what the the East Asian yeah. you know nations like Australia, like well, I was going to say yeah. now I remember Qatar 2011, yeah. but traditionally, especially through World Cup qualifying. Um, the like nations like Australia, Japan, South Korea have sort of struggled a little bit. So I can see their well, optimism, see a, yeah. but I think it's just optimism. I, I can't think. see Australia, Japan, South Korea, and Iran all missing the final. At least no. one of those is going to be there. And Probably al- two of them. And also, I would say like some of that, I suppose, travelling factor of playing yeah. in the Middle yeah. East yeah. will be negated by the fact that they're going to be over there getting set up and yeah. whatnot and have a bit of time for Graham Arnold to bed the team in. Yeah. And also as well, for me, Iran, I think, could be the ones that are the favourites at the moment, I reckon. But will Daniel Arzani be suiting up for Australia or Iran? Oh, well, be for Iran, because Dave Carney and Matt Simon on the bench for Graham Arnold, weren't they? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right, that's going to be for segment one of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to the Season 2 finale of the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here in our outdoor studio for the Daily Football Show Fan Network. And we're finally going to get to a segment that we've pushed back a couple of times at least. (laughs) And we're going to go through our player gradings from the 2017-18 Raw squad. Gradings without giving a grade though, you said. Yeah, analysis, yeah. yeah. You know, I, you know me, I have yeah. my Ron Burgundy moments. You do. Anyway, so we'll start off by running through the goalkeepers. You had Jamie Young, 25 appearances, 5 clean sheets. Theo, 5 appearances, 0 clean sheets. And Brendan White did a fantastic job warming up every yeah. game. Really good warm-ups from Brendan White, yeah. yeah. Some good saves in the, the the one-on-one shots. It was good. It earned him a new contract. So. Yeah. yeah. No, he, he's done really well. He'd be an excellent backup. He did exactly what you wanted a yeah. backup keeper yeah. to do, which yeah. was stand there and look ready to go in case <laughs> something happened. Oh, look, the, li- the life of a um, of a backup goalkeeper is it's not, it's not glamorous, <laughs> but at the end of the day, you'll, you need them all. Like uh, Zelko Kalic made a career of being a backup. Yeah. Well, Jamie Young was a backup not so long yeah. ago. Look well, what happened. Absolutely. That's actually going to be my segue. The Raw did actually need their backup keeper from round one to, come, to step up big because their starting goalkeeper, Michael Theo, was limited to just five appearances yeah. all season due to a finger injury. Yeah. So, when you're trying to sum up Theo's season, it, it kind of comes with a little bit yeah. of an incomplete because he did suffer that injury and was... He also played yeah. the very early games in the season when the team itself wasn't really up to speed yet in terms of players' availability and fitness. So, it's tough to really give him a grade on the games he even played because the team wasn't functioning well ahead of him anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and even so, like with the way Jamie Young played, that, I would say, gives the overall group yeah solid pass because yeah, he yeah. was phenomenal. Oh, look, he's, the, um, he's arguably the best uh, keeper in the league at the moment. And as I said, there's another guy that probably springs to mind, but those two 
to be fair, are you know bounds and bounds above the rest. So look, that, and he's, he's been rewarded. You now he's awarded for for his, uh, some great efforts. And for the last three seasons, well, four seasons, the Roar have had the best goalkeeping situation in the entire mm. league, yeah. especially with the you know progress that Jamie Young has shown. Look, I think I think they'll continue. May that may that long continue because um, as we said, you know, for those who know local football, they know. You know, how talented Brendan White is. Yeah. So, um, look, I think you know, Jamie Young, number one next season, Brendan White is the backup again. You know, if if something were to happen, you know, God forbid, Jamie Young, I think you can count on uh, White to actually do a decent job. And Speaking Young's Macklin Frank's a good young goalkeeper in the yes, academy yes. stuff as well. Speaking of, you said Jamie Young is going to be the number one next season. Does he have that number on the back of his jersey? It's a personal preference these days, isn't it? Yeah. yeah I, don't, I don't think it's... Yeah. I'd be keeping 21 because that's what's been working. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you so what. Tag it's going to wear the number one I'll tell you what. The, uh, the Den and more specifically the Jamie Young Supporters Club, they'd be pretty annoyed if he changes his number. <laughs> it's a few of his, their songs that become redundant. Yeah. Well, it's like when Matt Mackay went from 15 to 17 in his second <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That number 17 didn't quite No, it doesn't well quite work, does it? Yeah. So, and I think we can blame James Donachie for that, come to think I of it. I definitely yeah. think so. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Uh, over to the defenders. Now, we've grouped the fullbacks and centre-backs into just one group. He had Daniel Bowles and Corey Brown both making 13 appearances. Yep. Luke Devere with nine. Ivan Franjic, 17 appearances, two goals, and one uh, Friday special appearance. Jack <laughs> Hingett, 29 appearances, one goal, and one appearance with Corey Brown. Yep. Uh, Dane Ingham, five appearances. Jade North came and interrupted the Franjic interview as well. <laughs> <laughs> Connor O'Toole, one appearance on the show and 14 appearances for the Raw. Avram Papadopoulos, 16 appearances, four goals and one not-so-great incident. <laughs> Jacob Pepper, 19 appearances, one goal. And if you're looking for yeah. surprises of the season, how the hell is he... Like, how the hell did he reinvent himself as such a like solid centre-back? We can't be... Um, we can't not be surprised. Like I said, you know, an off-the-record off uh, chat that... We have with Mark Kingsman. He did say that you know Jacob Pepper, you know that you know, he will improve on what he did last season. You now where he was much maligned, and look, and it, those words seem to be prophetic. You now he's really look he, at the end of the day, he's not going to be a superstar. Yeah. Like said, he's going to be a solid professional that is going to fill out a squad. And you know what? You know when, when we need him the most, he stood up. There were a couple of surprises in the defence generally, actually, because I don't think anyone saw Connor O'Toole breaking through into the first team squad not this as year. a regular. At all. And also, Corey Brown, I mean, he went from the penthouse to you-know-where. In terms of where the Raw were, he was the Gary Wilkins medal winner to... He went from the penthouse to Melbourne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a good, that's exactly what Melbourne is, too, by the way. <laughs> but, but no, it's a big drop-off for him, because it wasn't just his alleged move to Melbourne, it was also he didn't play. His form dipped a bit as well. Yeah, he got that cursory appearance in that final yeah. against Melbourne City, but even so... Look, like, yeah, as for Jacob Pepper, though... Like, mm. He has found his level. Like he, like the way that it, he was sold to us, at least, was yeah. he's that perfect squad player. If yeah. he's your starting centre back, okay, he might get found out week on week. But if he's your first option off the bench as either a holding midfielder or centre back, he's all of a sudden much more valuable. Hmm. I think he's more Absolutely. like that 18th and 19th man in a squad where he's probably not in your match day squad in your first choice, but he's the guy you can bring in to fill in multiple positions for you. I I think he might have come up a little bit into that, I suppose, top, what, 16. Uh, look, I, I actually I actually think with the versatility, and you, know, and you know what you can get from him, I actually think that, you know, provided that, you know, we, like, we don't know who's going to fill out next yeah. year's squad. But at the moment, I have him in the match day squad. Yep. Purely because if you need to shore up a game, hmm. 
you can put him on as that second central midfielder or as an extra holding midfielder or something. The guy you bring on to replace an attacker or something as you're trying to close it up. It's interesting they're all listing him as a midfielder when they put their squad update out. Tick, spoiler alert, week, segment yeah. four, by the way. Yep. Mm. They list him as a midfielder, so it's interesting. And as for the centre-backs, I feel like you can't judge them as anything other than unavailable. Yeah. Like, they, as a whole, like, the group that we saw, we thought we had phenomenal, def- like, defensive depth at the start of the season, and even that was eroded because of a combination of yeah. injuries and suspensions. Well, they all got injured at the same time twice. Yeah. Not once, twice. Yes. So it shows you how the injuries affected the centre-backs. Well, it does say a lot that, I think, for your biggest games of the season, you had Conor O'Toole, a left-back, and Jacob Pepper, who had only been transformed a few months earlier into out, a centre-back. Out of necessity as well, so... Yeah. Yeah, Jade North obviously was struggling, and he's now yep. on his way out. Luke Devere, I love the guy, but he's got to go down as probably the biggest disappointment for me because I expected so much yeah. from him. It's his body lets him down. It's, it's such a great shame because he's a player who could absolutely be... We talked about the Socceroos squad in the last one. He's a player who's got the talent to be in the mix, to be in that sort of squad, but well, his body just doesn't let him play often enough. It's going a great back shame. To, going back to, I think, that preview show we recorded at Suncorp Stadium... <laughs> That was like Devere was my most important player for yeah. the season because if he did well, he was going to be the guy going forward. Yeah, look, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's just it's a darn shame that his um yeah he just every time he gets the fitness, gets a few games, something happens. And um, look, yeah, you're right. It, it is disappointing. I don't know if you can sort of say it's like I said. It, I think it's a bit of an incomplete. Um, the one name that stands out as well, I guess, you know, the ever reliable Jack Hingett, twenty nine appearances. You know, look, you know, he he look he. It wasn't his best season, but he's still reliable. I still think he's, he's your first choice yeah. right back, you know, going forward no matter but I, what. But I feel like Jack Hingott's floor has become so high that even when he's having an off yeah. day, he's still not a huge liability yeah. necessarily. Like, he knows how to play to the point where he can at least get through a game without having... Oh, I, I call it, it a Mark It kind of sums up the, the Raw season generally, wasn't it? A little bit below previous seasons, but still... Yeah. Still good because he was he was probably the world's best defender of the season. Yeah, and look, he, going forward has added so much to to his game there. It's and just, he, it's he's just still a shame. Yeah. yeah, it's just a shame that you know what the last uh, last sort of you know action that people can remember is his slip that that gifted yeah. you know people need to get over that, that goal. But yeah, exactly. Look, it can happen. It happens. You know, and I feel like if you want to do that, you can probably also point out yeah. three or four incidents as well yeah. that. Mm. In happening yeah. to build up to that too, but just where we move on from defence, also it's a good bounce back from Daniel Bowles as well from a serious yeah. knee injury. Yes, absolutely, as and well. he'll be around as well. Yeah. But uh, yeah, all right. So we're going to move on to the central midfielders. Joe Coletti started off the season with a regular role yep. in place of the injured Thomas Christensen. Uh, Coletti made ten appearances. Christensen had nineteen with two goals. Matt Mackay twenty eight appearances, two goals. Oxborough nineteen appearances, and Adam Sawyer had one appearance. I'm trying to remember when that is. It was a solid two minutes. Does anyone know who it was against? Ah, uh, it's a home it? game. No, it wasn't a home oh, game. Was it? it was victory away. Oh, one all draw, no, away to victory. I, I only know because <laughs> I had to go through and find out when it was. Was that in November? That was the November one where. Yeah, it was the first game. To... Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. It was the November one where yeah. I remember finding out half an hour before kickoff that. Uh, it was one of the guys. I think someone got injured in the war. Jay North. That was the one yeah. where oh, yeah. Pepper had to drop into centre back, yeah. and everyone was oh, freaking out. Right, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So. Overall, Christensen, once he got healthy, he was yeah. once again fairly solid in midfield. Like He does bring an air of calmness to the team. I think he's the most the important team. player in the side, just for what he brings in the midfield. it's I would sum up his balance. Yep. There's a lot of 
a lot of good quality players in that side, but he brings a defensive mindset mm. to that midfield as well, which is lacking when he's not there. Yep. The raw the raw's always been built on a strong number six. Yeah, you know, be it you know, and I guess in the glory the sort of the, the glory times, yeah, you know, part of Lou Bratton, yeah, you know, we've sort of went away. Christensen, yeah, Corona, yeah, as well. Like I said, and I think I think he continues that that legacy, you know, of a, of a strong, reliable number six. The, the question is, is you know, who partners him in that? And you know, like I said, Mackay at the end of the day, he that, that seemed to be the most experienced, the most um, sort of wily sort of partnership. Whether Christensen and Joe Coletti... We'll say that for a second before. We'll say that for a second before. Adam Adam says it's... The big question is who partners him. It's can you keep him on the field? Because, again, he's another player whose Mm. body has let him down at times. Yes. Because when he's fit, he's an excellent player. And look, you can have your opinions on Mackay's level of play. The fact of the matter is he was there essentially every week all season. So He might have lost a yard of pace, but he's still got a lot to offer in the squad. Yeah. And... Look, he's not afraid to voice his opinion to the team <laughs> no, as well. No, clearly not. All right, and Mitch Oxborough, look, the guy tried. I'll give him credit. but he Squad just, player and performed as such. He really. looked very devoid of confidence. Yeah. Like that... Yeah. He... Like, we'll mention someone else who was in that yeah. sort of mindset a little bit later on, but mm-hmm. uh, when he came onto the field, he just looked like he was always battling. Yeah. Like trying to get into a rhythm and just never quite. My, my best, my best sort of memory on, I guess, oh, will be of um, Mitch Oxborough is that you know he's a player that you know, you know what he's thinking, you know what he's trying to do. However, it for some whatever reason, it's just not coming off. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, I just think near enough wasn't good enough. You know, even for the score, and it really sort of didn't didn't reflect. But you know, he he's a, again a bit like Jacob Pepper. You know the. I think the best he'll be is a solid professional. That's about it. But yep. like I said it would. It's probably a case of one or the other as well. Yeah. By the way. Yeah, absolutely. And the attackers. You had Ramanak Bari with six appearances. Eric Bortiak, twenty-two appearances, two goals. Fahid Ben Kalfula, twenty-five appearances, one very important goal against Adelaide, and one podcast appearance. <laughs> Shannon Brady, five appearances. Brett Holman, twenty appearances, five goals, and Daniel Leck, six appearances, and. Look, we've mentioned this on the show several times, yeah. but we were there yeah. at Grange Thistle that uh, was late December morning yeah. or something yep. when John Aloisi goes over to Daniel Leck on the sideline and says, by the way, guess what you're doing tomorrow? Yeah. I don't know if he said that, I said you're off, I think probably, because he looked more downcast than than happy about actually, it. I actually reckon that was the turning point of the Raw year with uh, their NYL season yeah. because they were going right until that, that moment and they really didn't yeah. fire a shot after Was that, that the game against Adelaide where they were leading and then conceded a couple of goals? It, I can't, it doesn't matter. Yeah, anyway. it was the one they lost yeah. 4-1. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was actually, yeah. 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 Now, uh, I'll go through alphabetically. Ramadik Bari, he made his taboo in that opening game against yep. Melbourne City and had Brenton Speed fawning all over him. Well, he nearly scored inside 15 seconds. So. Well, that's yeah. probably why. Yeah. Brenton Speed's yeah. moved on to somebody else who starts with a... But in the limited bits we saw of Akbaru, we saw signs for encouragement, yeah. but yeah, it, it was good. He's in, he's developing nicely. I think he's one who could come through in the next 12 months. Yeah. Eric Bortiak, once he got into Australia and actually settled in, he, ba- he hmm. you know uh, dealt with a few injuries as well yeah. early on, probably because he came yeah. in so late. You also had to wait for his family to get here as well. I mean, that would be a big deal I, for somebody. The yeah. one takeaway I have with Bortiak is imagine if he was here in training in August yeah. or you know, earlier. That, the fact I don't that, think he was even available in August, was he? I don't no, think they, so. didn't, they didn't even discover him then. But I mean, but 
to the point is that, you know, had they, and this is, I guess, lessons learned ahead of the season, you know, what you do recruiting early, and that's why, because you can give him time to develop. Because I tell you what, when he finally hit straps, he was quality. Yeah. And I, I'm looking forward to what he can produce next season. And he seems happy and settled here as well, which is another positive. Absolutely. Uh, Fahid Ben Kalfala, 25 appearances. It, the two memorable moments for him were that goal against Adelaide and that spray he gave everybody in <laughs> January. Yeah. And, Look, you know, he's had a fantastic career. Congratulations on that. The on-field return wasn't quite it what we were It just didn't hoping. quite click for him, did it, here? No, but on, as a, I suppose sort of counter to that, again, I never questioned his, his effort. Like, he ran out of gas yeah. at the end of a few games, especially yeah. early on, but he kept going. Look, you can't, you can't fault him for effort. And I, I think, um, with him, I think he was, I think, a bit... More, well, I try to look for you. Not hurt by, but I mean, his the expectation. I think a few people were still expecting him to be, you know, two thousand and fourteen, fifteen Ben Kafal when they won the when Melbourne Victory won the double. And obviously, he he with age he has regressed a little bit. But look, he he really too he at least gave it him. But he was a polarizing figure, I guess, amongst the fans. And also, I suppose the point of the timing of his signing as well, it was how many weeks after they announced that Thomas Broach was yeah. going. Mm. The comparisons were obvious, weren't they? But also with Ben Kalfala, there was a lot of interchanging of other players around him. In the front third, there was, it took until right towards the end of the season for him to get a regular group of players around to form a combination. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of the issues that the players had probably came from the fact that there was so much forced chopping and changing around him. And it really, I suppose, impacted the rhythm because... Look, even just in your day-to-day work, if you're not around, when you're around the same people, you just get used to working with them. You know, okay, well, they're going to be doing this and that and whatnot. And if you've got someone new coming in every week, it does sort of impact you. Absolutely, it would. Yeah. Mm. All right, going to move on to the forwards because I'm just on Brady. I'm not sure where we're at with him, by the way. He just he needs game time. Yeah. Because he just hasn't had enough enough football at any level, really. In the MPL or in the A-League. He just needs games. Yeah. All right, we're going to move on to the forwards now. Nick D'Agostino, 10 appearances, 0 goals. Uh, Corey Gramiro, 18 appearances, 0 goals. Enrique, 8 appearances, 3 goals. Massimo Macaroni, the only player to notch 30 appearances and 10 yeah. goals. That's including FFA Cup and Champions League, by the way, for people who are trying to work out where the extra games come from. <laughs> yep. And Peter Scapettis, 15 appearances, 1 goal. Now... There's a lot of talk Jeez. of Corey Gramiro in the past week, but in terms of uh, Skipeta's talk about falling off a cliff, he was lighting things up in preseason, <laughs> and think, then by, was it December or January? I gone. Think, I think James Cuneo broke him at the park <laughs> that afternoon. We were happily reminiscing about that yeah. at the Goodwin Park the other day. But yeah, no, that's... Um, it's a shame because, you know, with Skipeta's, he did, he did look good early, but yeah, I, look, I don't know what went wrong. Yeah. Uh, I, it's hard to know other than something's happened. Um, because yeah, look, it's just it might explain right. why he's bounced around in Europe too. Yes, and the I suppose if if you do want to, I suppose look back as well. He was sold to, from memory as a natural as a natural out and out striker, yeah. and he was always being played off the wing. Yeah. So that may be part of it. And obviously, you want to make concessions for Massimo Macaroni, who is your he also name, plays by indoor squad. Well, don't forget because he came as a trial player, then an injury replacement, and he did so well in preseason. As you said, he. And could they it had have, to upgrade yeah. him, really. And could it have been a case of, well, he's just like he felt like he'd made it by the time he got that Possibly, full contract. Yeah. So, but, that's, but the one thing I, I guess that really was concerning was that you know when he did sign with Central Coast, he really didn't factor much. 
there either. No. So it, it says to me that you know whatever um, Paul O'Conn slash Wayne O'Sullivan saw what John Wussey saw, and really sort of it, it sort of you know, he sort of deteriorated as a player over, over the past year. Certainly. All right. And the last uh, mention of our breakdown, John Aloisi, 30 appearances for the Raw. Lucky he was there every week. Good for him. How many cards? Yeah. <laughs> One yellow card for John. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. All right. So uh, that's going to be it for segment two of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And we're back for segment three of the Brisbane Football Review season two finale. It's James Scott and Adam here for the DFS Fan Network in our outdoor studio. Yeah. It's nights beginning to yeah, set it's, in. And it's a great night out here. You guys are going to miss yeah. this view, aren't you? I will, yeah. yeah. For however long we're off yeah. air, which might only be a month or so anyway. <laughs> All right, uh, let's get on to on-field news now. And we're going to talk about the FFA Cup and the games that you guys saw since our last recording. Yes. Yeah, I see. Just going to come up to my neighbourhood and Morton uh, Bay United four yeah. 0 over Souths. Yeah. And tell us a, about that game, Scott. Well, it was a bit of a mismatch. In fairness, I mean, Morton, worth the trip? No, it was because Morton Bay is always a good place to get to. But Souths conceded an early goal with the goalkeeper, a bit of a mistake. But Morton Bay were just in control after that. Really, I mean, they were in well complete control of the game, and towards the end, Souths just lost their heads. But mm. I think it was two yellow cards in about two minutes for like um talking back to the referee. And then one of those players decided he wanted to slide through the back of a Morton Bay player. Sounds yeah. like a guy I played it in. So he got Thursday night. So after the whole handbags and all the rest of it, he got the second yellow card and they went down to ten. Also they had a goalkeeper who looked like he was still in school. They changed goalkeepers at half time. Yeah. I think there was an injury to their first choice ah. goalkeeper and they brought on the replacement who looked very young. But Nicole, he was quite good Nicole actually. Nicole Popovich was yeah, he, his name and I think he'd be one to keep an eye on. He because, was very impressive. Mm. So they good saves. So they weren't doing the um, Sir Alex Ferguson tactic of pulling your goalie at halftime of a <laughs> No, no, this game. one was probably injury related. Yeah. Alright, then the game you saw or that was actually incredibly entertaining was Centenary almost pulling off an upset over Olympic FC. Yeah, look, um the, the, came out of my of, neck of the woods for this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, came, came down the, yeah. the uh, down South Pine Road. But um, look, um, it, was, it was on paper supposed to be you know, a mismatch and Olympic were, I guess, supposed to just you know, roll over the top and, and if the form and NPL would sell it. But look, I've got to give a lot of credit to, to um, Centenary. And there was, we did hear before the game, there was a bit of a um, debacle that where Centenary actually did play uh, without a few of their top players because they gave them the weekend off. By, by mistake. So they did actually play a weakened size of was, but Jason Lee's goal in the fourth minute really sort of sparked things yeah. off. And it took it took um Olympic a fair amount of um pressure to finally sort of equalize and then um go ahead through Kieran Sanders. So look they I tell you what Olympic were in for a fight and they got it. so I think credit to the um the Capital One I do believe. Capital they, One, yeah. yeah. They had a big, big chance at one 0 as well, Centenary. If they had made it two 0 it could have really the cup set could have really been on then. Because even, even at 1-0, Olympic were in complete control of the game. They just could not break them down. It was a really good defensive display from Centenary. And Phil, Phil Zabax as well in goal yes. for Centenary, former Lions keeper. Um, he, he was uh, he hadn't lost much of a step himself. No. So so despite their round five exit, Centenary can uh, hold their heads high. Absolutely. Yep. All right. So we're going to move on. Uh, Football Brisbane had the draw on their Facebook page today. You can watch Simon and Rafe... 
conducting it yep. in a video. Yeah. But yeah. the ties, Ipswich City slash Penn Power, that game was uh, postponed last night because it was just a little bit wet. Yeah, just a bit. Uh, they're going to host... The winner of that game will host Brisbane Strikers. Morton Bay United is going to host Olympic FC. Lions FC versus Rochdale Rovers. I think that might call for a bit of an off-season catch-up with you two out okay. at Lions. Mm. Sounds good. And then Logan Lightning versus Brisbane City. That may not call for a catch-up. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, obviously a few good games on, on course. As much as... I'm kind of hoping Penn Power get to host Strikers because that is going to be a very, very intriguing yeah. As fixture. a Northsider, I am very, very happy with this. <laughs> yeah, I bet you assuming, are. Assuming, of course, that Penn Power survived the trip out to Ipswich and actually beat Ipswich City, which yeah. you'd think they would, but it seems strange well, to be You've got, happened. what, two, two, two of these ties within, what, 15 minutes of your place, Absolutely. basically? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, so lucky Northsider, you. I'm very, very happy. To be fair, one of them's only 10 minutes from my place, so I'm not too bothered either. Two, two very, very good games. Um, I think Pen Power, I think, will actually... That'll be the test against um, Strikers, I think. We'll catch up at Lions and he can go to the yep. Northside games. Yeah. Done. When are those games, actually? I don't think there's... Times and dates to be confirmed. Sorry to throw you under the bus there, but <laughs> we can assume it will be between now and June 9th because that's yep. when round seven will take yep. place. And the draw for that was also conducted. Now, bear with us here. You've got a few either-ors. So the winner of Logan slash Brisbane City will host the winner of Morton Bay versus Olympic. And in the other tie, the winner of Lions against Rochdale will host the winner of Ipswich against Penn Power slash Strikers. Yes. God, that's confusing. I, I think I just got an ice cream headache doing that. <laughs> I've got it written in front of me and I'm still confused yeah. what you said. Yeah. Look it up on our Trust Facebook Trust us, it page. makes sense. Don't worry. Okay, good. So, uh, yeah, and the winners of those two ties will move on to the national round of 32, yes. which i got to be honest, I am very, very excited for. Absolutely. We love, love the cup. Yep. Yeah, we had a lot of fun going to those mm. games last yeah. year. It was uh, out at Dolphin Stadium at Redcliffe yeah. and... You know, Terry Park I, and Rabina and Yeah, it was all Morton fun. Bay. You know, I'm actually very much counting on Penn Power to get through to the national stage because I would love for them to have another game at Dolphin Stadium because that was actually a really I, cool place to go. I really don't care who makes it as long as they get some home games. Yep. Yeah. I just want some home games again. It was really cool last year. Yeah, because also when you consider like that national stage, yeah. you want to get everybody in and around. Now, onto the southern zone, Sunshine Coast FC... Uh, beat Dune Villa 1-0, and Gold Coast Knights beat Southwest yeah. Queensland Thunder 2-1. The winner of that will play... They are, So Fire and Knights will play for yeah. a spot in the national round of 32 on June 9th, somewhere on the Sunshine Coast. Yeah. This is the best Sunshine Coast Fire's ever done in the Cup. So if, if it's a great chance, you've got a home tie against the Gold Coast Premier League, so they'll be probably thinking we have a chance here, even though Gold Coast Knights They're are a supremely strong team yeah. at this level. And in the northern zone, the game that's certainly worth mentioning right now is Cairns 4-3 after extra time against Southside Comets because Cairns came from two goals down in the last five minutes to equalise despite being down to nine men. Yes. There's a great video up on um, 7 News Cairns if you want to go and watch the highlights of that. And the coaches' reactions are priceless. And North Queensland United and Cairns... Uh, will play each other with the yep. winner to play Mackay and Sundays, Magpies, Crusaders, United FC. Yep. First spot in the last 32. They won two games in the last week in the Cup. They beat the Magpie, the um, Mackay Wanderers, and then they beat Bluebirds United. So they've won two games it's, in the last week. Scott and I have been debating this, obviously, while we've been watching a few games. And yeah. we're, in, we're in the past, uh, the winner of North Queensland and Cairns, or Northern Fury and yep. Far North Queens in the path, you'd think that basically whoever wins that goes to the national yeah. round of D2. Look, I actually think, um, I actually think get on Mackay. Yeah. Mackay uh, with Sunday, 
I'm going to go out on them, so I'm going to say North Queensland United this year. Yeah, no, I actually, maybe it's because I spent a few years living up there, and I'd like to see them get there. But, but at least it's northern that northern zone round seven match. I think is going to be a competitive match, yeah. and the winner will actually feel like they own their spot. Yeah. And we've got a Saturday night smorgasbord this weekend for NPL Queensland round thirteen. So it's all Saturday night. Lions versus Redlands, Morton Bay versus Raw Youth, Cairns versus Southwest Queensland, Western Pride versus City, North Queensland United versus Olympic, Mackay and Sundays, Magpies Crusaders, United FC, hosting Brisbane Strikers. I think uh, Simon's on the call for that one as well. Is he? Yeah, I saw something on Twitter today about okay. that. And Gold Coast are hosting Sunshine Coast. I don't think it's going to be very welcome at Brisbane Strikers, by the way. They're still complaining about it's at 12 or 13 away <laughs> games in a row in the Cup now. <laughs> What a terrible shame for them. I'm pretty sure Rafe was doing the draw anyway, yeah. so they can take it out against him. <laughs> but but they're both going to be in trouble, actually. Yeah, but more than a lot, we'll be at the uh, we'll be at Walter Park. For... Uh, yes. And I'll be at work. Have fun. Very good. I would always do. <laughs> yes. All right, so A-League Grand Final wrap. We, we, we were obviously as long game. as we could, could, didn't we? Yeah, we've, <laughs> we've kind of gone more local football because we are Brisbane-focused, but that game certainly does merit a mention right now. Victory crown champions 1-0 thanks to Costa Barbarousas. Victory yep. they scored early and suffocated the game yeah. but I gotta be honest, especially in that first half Newcastle had plenty yeah. of chances to score it oh. but Lawrence Thomas would not be de- would not be denied. It's a professional performance from Victory particularly in the second half they just completely killed the game as any smart team away from having a grand final would at 1-0 up. You're right, Newcastle had more than enough chances in the first half to win any game. Second half, not so much, but feel, even, depend, yeah. even with the controversy that happened, they had enough chances to at least equalise in this game. And look, big picture, I feel like this was a big win for Kevin Musket. Like, he's the one that set them up to win that way, and they executed his plan to perfection. It just shows that, you know, at the end of the day, like, because two months ago... The most, most, some, well, I say most, because it's, it's never a majority, it's always a vocal minority that's saying that you know, he should be sacked, you know, why they give him a new contract. Well, you know, he sort of vindicated in a way. Well, you know that with like five or ten minutes to go in the yeah. game, there was one bitter victory fan still sitting at home on the couch going, I still think they should have sacked him. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> also, there's a few pe- bitter people saying, oh, the, um, it's a it's a disgrace that the victory won from fourth. I mean, that's ridiculous. They won the competition under the pre-agreed rules that existed. And if the Raw had done the same from sixth, we would have all been very delighted this week. Yeah, that trophy we wouldn't looks be burying it. We wouldn't be burying it in segment three if the Raw won it from sixth, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah we might not have had a voice if the Raw had won it from sixth. <laughs> yeah. But my point on that is that's a system you play. Like, yeah. Just because it's done one way in another country, that's fine. If you but don't like it, just... Have a grand final well, between first and second. the thing that all these naysayers are carrying on about that. We probably had the best, like, up until like the previous week, we probably had the best you know, yep. weekend of the season in that semi-final week. Yep. The best football. Look, I don't know what people expect at grand finals sometimes. You know, anyone who watches football would know that you know what, your semi-finals are your games where yeah. all the action happens, and sometimes the grand finals are going to be yeah. a dour You're not watching a free yeah. entertainment, you're watching one for drama. going to win it, because you know what, the stakes are so high. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah, like it's, just, just some, of the, some of the carrying on about, oh, New Melbourne victory, they killed off the game. Like, Good, so they should. Up. Well, I get, I like, Seriously. I liken it to the complaints about the way the Raw were playing when they were going on their yeah. good run of form there, where it wasn't the prettiest football, but they were doing the first and far and away most important yeah, part yeah. of their job, which was getting results. It actually reminded yeah. me of what Mourinho did with Chelsea to Liverpool when he went up against a gung-ho attacking side at home. He said, no, I'm going to sit back, I'm going to kill the game, and I'm going to hit them yeah. once or twice, and then that's it. Yeah. It's and pretty much exactly what Musker did. 
It was beautifully done. And it, yeah, okay, it wasn't the most aesthetically pleasing one, but think back to all of the, you know, scrappy World Cup finals we've had. Think back Absolutely to a lot not. of the FA Cup finals. Spain, Netherlands, supposedly two of the great oh. attacking teams of the time. That's one of the most dreadful games I've ever seen. Yeah, I nearly yep. went to sleep during that one. And I think look, I did. Argentina, probably kept Argentina Germany was had its cagey moments as well yeah. four years ago. Yeah. And don't be surprised that come July 14th or whatever, you get treated to another France, one Italy was, wasn't that good either. No. And... That's the thing. You're not going to get... You might not get too much from this game in terms of entertainment because, look, as much as we enjoy it, not every game is going to match the theatre and drama of that Raw Mariners game. Yeah. Yeah. And... But yeah. Yeah, moments like that in, in a final situation are exception rather than rules. Yeah. You know, at the end, there's so much on the line... You know, do you want to be the player remembered as the guy that you know that, that tried to attack, made a mistake, and gifted the opposition well, the goal? My point, That's the thing. It's, I've got two points on that. One, if Kevin Musket said, "All right, we're going to try and match you goal for goal," he would have been getting crucified absolutely. for leaving the likes of James Donerkey and Thomas Sting isolated yep. to be yep. abused by Roy O'Donovan, which again we'll get onto it, later. It happened anyway. But then you've also got the issue of, okay, let's fast forward to say. June 24-25. Australia has stolen a nil-nil draw against France and beaten Peru on a counter-attack thanks to... Uh, on Tim a Kale. one-nil counter-attack win. Yep. Tim Cale header. Yeah. It, Please, Arzani. <laughs> but something like that. Is anyone going to be complaining if that's the style that they play and they're going to get into... and they're all of a sudden a chance of getting you know into the World Cup round of 16? I'll just say, yes, there would be. But they're not football fans. They're these mainstream idiots that come along. They come along and think that they know more about the game and think, oh, that you know, oh, because rugby league they score four or five tries, or AFL they kick thirty goals. It's, it's part of the game. But you know, anyone that's a true football fan understands and they'd appreciate that. But unfortunately, unlike, same with the grand final, it's a game unfortunately that sometimes attracts these mainstream people who have not a clue about football, and you know what? And they're the ones that you know vocal and saying, oh, how boring. Yeah, so, I, I think I think Simon Hill made a point in in a column saying that you know, you know, you've got to stop pandering to these people yeah. that just don't give football respect. And I think that's sort of lesson that FFA need to take and out because it was it was a too. great game. It, and Simon Hill's game, had yeah. a few misses on his columns this year, but that point was absolutely, absolutely. spot on. And also, I suppose if you like, you want to keep that point going. Yeah, victory did their job. So and, speaking of points, he got right. He got he's been right about the VAR too. Yes, we'll get on to that now. Yep. So, it, no, unless, no, unless ifs, ands, or buts about yeah. it. It was a colossal stuff up <laughs> yeah. on the night. So, yes. the victory goal was what ninth minute. Yep. Free kick floated in. James Donerkey headed it back across goal. However, he was in an offside position when the ball was kicked. He and a couple of others. Yep. But, yeah. So when the ball was kicked offside, Donerkey headed the ball back across, and it deflected to Barbarossa, who scored. Yes. Now the linesman kept his flag down, and the VAR gave it the all clear, despite some pretty obvious live evidence that it again I'll give Simon Hill credit for this he called it live just yep. to correct you the VAR didn't give it the all clear it didn't just well, didn't, no, give, it didn't it was, give our ruling that was Mark well that was what was yeah. uh, put across on the broadcast yeah. now I'm not sure how much the VAR actually communicates with the broadcast but it was give, we were given the impression watching it yeah. that the game that it, it had been seen and given the all clear yeah. which a lot of people felt aggrieved about and as it turns out the next morning the FFA released a statement going our feed broke. Uh, it's actually, um, correct me if I'm wrong, anyone out there, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the FFA through the VAR system has their own feed. 
they actually don't actually yeah, they don't use the broadcast they use and they're not allowed to they're not allowed FIFA to. rules which um, look that's look it's protocol over common sense because like so they, that, that's that's that was half the problem yep that's that's a ridiculous rule by the way if you've got an independent broadcaster there who's got footage that you can use why wouldn't you? Which is also something. Why that wouldn't you? They've got all the camera angles you could possibly and want, and they, you only need one. So you need one. Ten I seconds. Just, I see. Have learned from that. I can yeah. tell you that much because that you needs need to be the ten same seconds. Look at. Yep, that's offside. Done. And you also consider, like, again, the the football crowd might shudder at the thought of paying attention to anything outside their bubble. <laughs> but like, no. Ta- seriously, take yeah, a lesson know. from the NFL. Take yep. who. Like have yeah. their own issues with replay. However, yeah. they take the f- their feed from the broadcaster. Yep. So it's also I will say it's not completely uncommon for these systems to break down because I believe they use Hawkeye, which is the same one the tennis uses, and that has from time to time been shown to not work at key moments as well. I know, I know. So it's not the first time that these systems have broken down in key moments. The third, the third umpire. It's as a well. shocking time for it to happen. Yeah. They they were, they they went out this path how they're having their own independent feed but eventually and you can actually see it that the actual the umpire the third umpire is actually talking to the producer in the in the truck to, to show the angles on it so look I think it's a lesson that you know if FIFA FFA and this, this experimentation I think they're going to have to learn is that you know what yeah. the broadcast is there for a reason yeah. use the footage I think, and, and also yeah. I want to move on to yeah. the actual releasing of the mm. statement so yeah. there was a lot of criticism on Sunday with the FFA putting out that statement saying, yeah, this is what happened. They had to. They had to. Because if this leaked from some other journalist got a hold of it, yeah. all hell would have broken loose. Well, what, yeah, what's worse? The FFA coming out and saying, yeah, we stuffed up. We're going to take our hit for this now. Or David Davutovich reporting it this like Wednesday morning saying, I'm hearing that the FFA couldn't get the VAR system working. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look, I think they, they, had, they, had, to, um, they had to act. Look, it's, it's like I said, at the end of the day, you know, I think it's a bit of maturity from FFA, to be honest, that, you know, they actually owned it. They, they made a mistake. Look, there's a lot of little... And they deserve criticism Absolutely. for... Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. just, the one, the one thing that, you know, in social media, I, I don't know if I ever actually made this sort of real sort of public comment, but this idea, this ridiculous idea that, you know, the, that FFA admit that there was an issue, oh, so let's have a replay... Oh, get out of here. Yeah, I, I, no, I made this point. I'm doubling down on some comments I made on Fox Sports um, in the comments. Oh, Is that was that, a big mistake. Yeah. <laughs> well, I actually expected to actually come to opposition, but actually it's, it's refreshing. That what did Melbourne Victory do to deserve you know, having that game, that, that win erased? Because at the end of the day, yeah, FFA stuffed up. They deserve everything they're getting feel sorry for Newcastle, feel sorry for their fans, feel sorry for the players, but you know They had what? enough chances to win the game. Exactly, yeah. but this is, like I said, what did Melbourne Victory do to deserve that game being replayed? Nothing. It's a ridiculous idea. And Alright, so we're going to move on now. One last quick point. So, yeah. Hopefully this is the only major final this year ruined by VAR. Can you imagine if it happened in a certain tournament in July? Well, Australia won't Europe? be in that game, so... What do you mean we won't be in it? We're playing Uruguay in the final. <laughs> and Luis yeah. Suarez is going to be caught out by the VAR trying to bite Matt Ryan's fingers. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we'll move on quickly. Yep. Uh, Roy O'Donovan did kick Lawrence Thomas in the face. <laughs> yeah, he did. That was um, incredibly bizarre. Dana White would have been happy with that. Has he got his suspension yet? Not yet, no. But uh, what do we say? So I reckon he's going to get six games or something. I'm hoping it's over seven because... Yeah, you're comparing it to the Papadopoulos yes. incident. If, and by the way, if it's less than seven, there's a lesson there. Just just clatter into somebody. You yeah, get, you get less games now, for that. I should actually point out, so I was covering this for work and I was 
I actually live thought that Roy O'Donovan had done something in the, in that melee afterwards and Nigel Bugard had actually been the one to kick him in the head. So I was waiting for a second red card there. In fairness to Joe Gillette, he saw that. He clearly, he clearly saw that. And in, was straight on yeah, board. So yeah. He didn't hang around. He said straight red card. I think he diffused a lot of that carry-on as well because he, he yeah. gave the red card earlier before all the victory players could get around Was O'Donovan. VAR working for that? Who cares? <laughs> you know what? Thankfully, he didn't even need to get the VAR because you know what? You're right. Joe Gillett merely saw it. He ran over. He showed the red. You know what? And, that, and that's some good officiating. And O'Donovan... Yeah. Hear that, Tony Sage? Yeah. That's good refereeing and from Jared Gillette. The grand O'Don- final. And Roy O'Donovan... Not the first time. Uh, was he... Uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, Roy O'Donovan, like, he copped yeah. to it straight away. He went, yep, I'm... Yeah, I, I goofed. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. right, unfortunately, so, unfortunately, two major incidents of of violence from Roy O'Donovan, and yeah, he's going to spend a bit of time. And, and those prize did apologise after the game to Yeah, yeah look at that. that. That's you know, look, it doesn't condone what he did or you know, even excuse it, but you now at least he has a little bit of class. All right, so I'm just going to close this segment mm. off yep. with one final point. So there have been 13 A League Grand Finals now. 13 sides felt like they got completely screwed over by the referee. Newcastle <laughs> might actually have a case for once. We'll be back after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to the final segment of Season 2 of the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here for the DFS Fan Network. And, yeah, winding down now after several hours of podcasting. (laughs) Several. (laughs) And a whole lot of editing and only one expletive to edit out. Yes. Well, that's that's in the... not including interviews with players, by the way. Yes, that's true. Well, those players were in emotional yes. states. We can't keep just throwing her under the bus. Not the only person he's for. And since it is the season finale, I'll run through the plugs. Okay. So you can get in contact with us. Facebook, uh, The Raw Review. Twitter, at Raw Review. Uh, podcast is on Wooshka and iTunes, as I'm sure you're working out, because that's what you're listening to right now. Uh, any feedback, comments, questions over the off-season, send it to brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. And, yeah, we'll try and get back to you and, yeah. Executive decision. So I did them in season one. You did them this year. James, season three for the plugs? I did three. Yeah. And cool. can I just also point out, iPad off, phone off. I did that all off the top of my head. Well, then, oh. you're, then that's it. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like I'm the host or something yeah. in a final. <laughs> well, to be fair, that first season I asked you to do it because I was trying to remember everything else and also <laughs> yeah. to not swear on the air. <laughs> it took me 50 episodes to <laughs> plug, so. All right, so... Segment four, we're going to title this one Looking Ahead. Yep. So the current squad as of May 4th, gone Michael Theo, Jade North, Massimo Macarone, Fahid Benkalfula, Corey Brown, Mitch Oxborough and Corey Grimero. Resigned, Jamie Young, Connor O'Toole, Matt Mackay, Jack Hingott, Enrique, Brennan White, Daniel Bowles, Jacob Pepper. Off contract, to be determined, you've got Nick D'Agostino, Ivan Franich, Brett Holman and Emmy Martinez. And additions, you've got Adam Taggart and Dylan Wenzel-Hall. So... Quick look at the maths. You've got seven players gone, five off, co- off contract, and two new signings. So technically, you're still down 10 players from last yep. season, if my maths is correct. And you still have someone between six and eight spaces available. Yes. We're a little bit fuzzy on the maths at this point. Yes. So Somewhere around there. We should point out, we are recording this Wednesday night, May yeah. 9th. So when everything on... breaks yeah. Thursday, May 10th, <laughs> it's not our fault. Yeah. It's also dependent on how many, between 20 and 22 players in the squad. So it depends on how many they want to bring in. I thought it was 23. Yeah, between 20 and 23. So Yeah. Well, let's assume they're going to fill yeah. out the yeah. top three, yeah? So eight spaces still available. And from off the top of my head, so they've got th- two marquee- three marquees. You've got Christensen, 
Oh, three visa players, yeah. Visa, yeah, visa players. You've got Christensen, Bortiak, who is the marquee yeah. player. And Who's the third one? I'm trying to remember. Hang on. No, it might only be two. Might only be two. Okay, yeah, so two, got... but there's the uh, heavy, the very strong that's rumor right, yeah. about uh, Tobias Mickelson. That's right. Well, that, that's not going to be resolved until uh, they get back to training in, in June. So, but that's At a very earliest. strong lead from Kurumal uh, on that one. Yep, we'll give credit to Marco for that. Uh, yeah. So, assuming so, assuming they're signing the Danish winger, where do they go next? I think you've got to look at. I think they still need a centre back, given the injury proneness of those players back there. I think you might want to look at another a left back cover, maybe. Yep. I know. Definitely think one of the big things I'll look for is a central midfield player. Yeah, absolutely. Who can come in and provide some steel into the middle of midfield alongside Thomas Christensen. They're probably the big. The, the biggest one was the number nine, and they took care of it very early in the the preseason, which is fantastic. And they did it with an Australian player as well. Yeah. Which is even more important when you've only got five visa spots. Yeah, well, they've got an uh, Australian striker under the cap as well. Yes. Which means you do have that uh, you do have that flexibility to go to. So I'm just trying to bring up the uh, list that the Raw put out the other day. Okay. But yeah, so mm. it feels like they've got a good base of a squad, but they do still have a whole lot of depth areas to address. They do. I mean, look... The good thing is that they've ma- they've moved very quickly on a number of their their free agent players because we were talking about it a few weeks ago. They had a lot of them, and they've and they re-signed what five or six of them was it last week they na- made those announcements? Four, yeah, yeah, they announced those last week. So they've done very, they've moved very quickly on it, which was important. So yeah, looking off the looking off the top of my head, just a quick run through the current squad. You're starting eleven if these were the guys you took with you to round one, wherever it is. Mm-hmm. Jamie Young and goals, obviously. And health permitting as well. You'd have Luke Devere and Avram Papadopoulos as your centre backs, with Hingett and O'Toole as yeah. your fullbacks. You'd have uh, Christensen and Mackay as your central midfielders, and attacking attackers. You'd have Bortiak, Taggart, but then you've got two, I suppose, holes there to fill. Enrique would be one of them, but as a starter, yeah. Well, based yeah. on the current availability, yeah. Yes, yeah. it's, it's dangerous to play this game. This early with so many key players. I know, but I'm trying to fill out the last second. Yeah. <laughs> for, for, for me, the fact that you hesitate on that, to me, shows what, for mine, where the glaring problem is that the Raw need an attacking creative number 10. Yeah. And there was that Daniel De Silva guy that was linked last well, week. Well, that, as I said, as I said in, um, in segment two, is that that is actually... It's almost like m- we teed you up for that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I think that's the missing... I think that's what the Raw need. Yeah. I think more than anything is... Um, is that attacking that attacking midfield score goals? Yeah, you know, and then obviously you have yeah Bortiak one side. Then uh, it almost be a battle royal who gets the the uh, the left wing spot. Although, although that could also oh, turn sorry, out to be Mickelson or yeah, look that's yeah Bojack also. So Bojack's sorry on the left. I mean well, he right. arrives the yeah, left so wing, but they used him on the right. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they do switch him back to the left. And then, and then take it up front, obviously. Yeah. Well, the question then becomes: Brett Holman, would you take him back if need be? I think you could I, do worse. You could do definitely do worse given his quality. It's just can you keep him on the If they park? bring him back under the cap as, I suppose, a veteran leader for someone like a Ramon Akbari... I, or, I don't think they need veteran leadership in the squad, but he certainly has a, a good role to play in that sense. It's more, if you bring back Brett Holm, you've got to have a plan B, just because, unfortunately, he hasn't been able to stay fit and available for his two seasons in Brisbane. He's missed so much football, and when he's out of the side, they miss him so much. So you've got to have a plan B there. If, yeah. And that could be Enrique. 
who with a full preseason, I expect to be better as well. Certainly. Now, we did get an email a couple of weeks ago from Nick Collins, and I apologise once again, it's taken us that long to get around to it. Uh, well, he's actually given us a whole bunch of suggestions on players that we could actually see the raw sign, and I actually quite like some of these. Yeah. So, for, as a defender, Matthew Speranovic, who... I, I, once again, I love Luke Devere, but if Speranovic is mm. able to come in and stay healthy, there's an automatic upgrade. Yeah, he would be. He's a fantastic defender, Matthew Spravich. I can't believe he's a free agent, not going to the World Cup because of his own situation. That's a tremendous shame. Uh, Adrian Leia, not as not keen. For me. Tomislav Masella, who we've seen in a couple of Socceroos squads. I honestly not, can't say I'm not enough sure about it's it. An upgrade. And Curtis Good. Well, if you're going to trade out one injured defender for another, the one thing about Curtis Good is John Elvis, he knows him well from Melbourne Heart days. Very so. true. Midfield, he's got Jordan Lydon. That's the one that's yeah, that seems to name seems to come up. Yeah, you know, I I just don't know if he, if yet he may try and pursue you know offers in the championship. I don't think he's complete. Um, I don't think he'd be ready to come back to the A League just yet. Probably not. And another player who I'm just doing a quick Wikipedia search of is a 30 year old uh, from Sydney who is currently playing for Guisley. Guisley. I don't know where that is to okay. be honest. It's in England, I think. Yep. Uh, James Weselowski. So oh, I'll, I'll give Nick his credit. He's done a phenomenal amount yeah, of research yeah. to get into this. It uh, would be a good good addition to the midfield, perhaps. There's just yeah. more... With um, Mackay, Kletty and Christensen, is he, would he be the necessary... And I honestly feel squad? like if you're going to be pushing someone into that starting lineup, it should be Joe Kletty. Yeah. But uh, you need next one in the squad anyway. And the forward, Scott McDonald, he wanted to come to the A-League no, last you. year, but that is, of course, been... Addressed by Adam Taggart. And he can't score goals anyway. <laughs> not for the Socceroos, anyway. Um, not unless you. Unless we play in the Scottish Premier League or something next year, he's not going to score any goals. And the other two names were Kwame Eboa and James McGrath. Unfortunately for those two, I feel like you're bringing them back with them wanting to be a striker, and quite honestly. Don't think Kwame yeah. is coming back. You've got to remember when Nick actually sent us yes. that email, that was before the uh, Adam Taggart now yeah. came through. So, yeah. Yeah, so. Certainly worth it. Now, Scott, we had some yes. Facebook uh, feedback on we some of the We posted the list of free agents this afternoon. Which you can which... find on Facebook, The Raw Review. Yes. A lot of people... Um, Josh says Nikovic and Bebo stand out for him. Jimmy James says Franich. I like this one from Jared Tappan. Anyone but Matt Simon. Sounds like... <laughs> that sounds like a solid recruitment plan, if you ask me. Here, here. Yep. Um, there's a lot of... Sh- um, Johan Absalonson. No. Yes. Actually. Yes. No, I'm... This is from yes. Daniel Butler. I mean, we've discussed this. Yeah. Uh, you have. Yes. Too injured. Yeah, well, Daniel also says, just if you're looking for an under-the-radar player, perhaps Matt Rydenton from Wellington, yeah. perhaps? Well, I feel like those Wellington yeah. players could be available. James Donerke and Thomas Deng have received a lot of love in the comments. So is the Harris and Lawrence it, Thomas. I didn't realise we were just going to steal all of Melbourne Victory. Well, it would be nice to say that. A lot of people say... It would be nice if Ben Carlful had kick-started that pipeline the other way. <laughs> yeah. If we're going for a name off that, though, Thomas Deng. Yes. He That's, really yep. leaps out for me. He mm. was phenomenal in the grand final, coming in as a last-minute replacement against Victory as well. That's you just stole exactly what I was going to say when we got to the list. He's the one player left on the list of available players that I would really yeah. want the Raw to sign because he's a defender. You could bring him in and start him, and he would be an absolute monster. I think. I'm I'm a huge fan of Johan Absalonson, so if we can get him, you know, TK do something about it that time. <laughs> but but look, yeah, no, there are there. Surprisingly, there's actually a, yeah. a number of options out there you now in the, yeah. on that free agency. Leroy Lovell. George, Geordie Boyce, 
Milosnikovic, no, all of which have got... I don't want Boyce, he's a tool. All of which, all of those... Yeah. Have That's going to come comments, back and bite so. me, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, when, when, when he signs and you have to interview him, we're going to interrupt with that. <laughs> yeah, right, I'll do, I'll do it in post-production. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, look, Boyce, good footballer, but... No, I, I, I don't think zero, we need another over 30 centre-back. I have zero interest in him, yeah. in large part because of his haircut. He looks ridiculous. <laughs> I think we need a younger centre-back to partner with the older guys we have. And the other name still on that list as well is Jordan O'Doherty, who was linked to the Raw a couple of months ago. And that seems to have all gone some... quiet, doesn't it? Still, yeah. still could be in the mix. Yeah. Now, as far as we know, the Raw and their players are all on holidays. So yep. so just a couple of players from overseas. I'm looking through the list of them available today. Robbie Cruz, perhaps after the World Cup, might want to come home. Mitchell Duke from playing in Japan. And also um, Dylan Manane, the former victory defender, left-back, playing over in Norway, if you're looking for another left-back cover. There we go. There's a couple of options, maybe. Well, it's interesting, though. So, off the top of my head, as we're going through, so we've got nine starters, I would say, relatively locked in. Mm-hmm. So, really, you're only looking for that attack. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, where, for me, the issue with the Raw the last two years has actually been goals. Where that first year, uh, when they came you know, within a Lawrence Thomas hand of a premiership, they came so close to getting the... Uh, they came so close to getting there, and that was because they had goals popping up from everywhere. You had yeah. McLaren, you had Barella, you had everybody. Yep. Whereas last season, it was McLaren and not much else. Whereas this year, they had a lot of goal scorers, but nobody really... Nobody was, with more than two or three. Yeah, no, really. Nobody Except was able to really Macaroni. take over. And that's kind of where I feel like it needs to be addressed. Now, whether that's Bortiak or whoever they bring in as a number 10... I think Taggart solves a lot of that, too. Yeah, yeah, but that's what I mean. If Taggart's getting 15 to 20 goals, yep. like just from a numbers perspective, you're going to need probably two guys in that 7 to 10 range as well. Yeah. I think there's... um, I think there's, I've been looking at the numbers. I think it's 40 goals scored in 25 against is what the blueprint is to win the Premier's plate. You've got to score at least 40 goals for the season and concede less than 25. Yeah, I can see so that. So if Taggart's going to get you 15 to 20, that's that's what you're looking for from the rest of your attack. Absolutely. All right, so uh, we'll talk about a little, we'll close out a little bit with talk about the A-League in general yeah. and what we want to have happen because, let's face it, 17-18 across the board was a pretty rough year to be a football fan. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, okay, we've talked about scheduling before and that's one of the big complaints we do hear from fans where they say the games aren't on at a good time. Now, I'm still a big fan of these centralised kickoff times. The problem for me is... It gets so... It seems to be never at a perfect time for somebody. Yep. There's, it's either... like Because we're in Brisbane, we don't have daylight saving, which I, I could do a whole other podcast on that. Yeah. I'll join you. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see... like Those 6.50 kickoffs, you have all the complaints of, it's too hard for me to get home, get from work, and get back to there's the stadium. Fr- fr- there's a Friday night. Yeah, Friday, Friday night, night games. Even the Sunday yep. night ones at that time. Those su- yeah. I don't know. That's just... Yeah. They you you, you, you can't put everyone. Then you have the three o'clock kickoffs on the Sunday afternoon. Oh, it's too hot. It's too early in the, the day. Four o'clock, yeah. Four o'clock kickoffs, yeah. Yeah, which is five o'clock four daylight o'clock. saving yeah. time. That, right, you I, can't put everyone. I think the crowds are actually better for the Sunday four o'clock ones, as much as a lot of people don't like them. Yeah. If you actually look at the numbers, the crowds. I think yeah, those I think fan markets camps are, are more, rough. Yeah, I know. I think it's more market as a family um, yeah. friendly time at the four o'clock. Unfortunately, you know, everyone I suppose everyone would want a seven thirty slash six thirty, you know, kickoff. But 
we know that's reserved for the big games, just for the, the free to wear. And you know, look, Raw, you know, finishing you know sixth and whatnot. You wouldn't expect them to get too many you know, those marquee games. So, yeah, for me, for me, they just. I, I wish I could come up with a clear, concise plan. Of course, if I could to boost the raw crowds beyond winning, yeah. then I probably wouldn't be sitting here talking to you two. No <laughs> yeah. But I just... I don't know what it is about Suncorp Stadium, but I feel like by this stage, in 13 years into the A-League, the raw should be one of those clubs that's getting closer to 20,000 than 10. It might be the stadium generally because the crowds are down at that place across the board. I mean, the Reds crowd's not exactly... Well, that's and what, even the Broncos crowds, I know they're, they're significantly bigger than the Reds and the Raw, but they're not, not what they used to be. Well, that's where cost comes into yeah. it. And right. I wonder how many of how many people have been priced out of going to Suncorp Stadium because all of a sudden you're looking at $100 for a family of four. Well, we were having this conversation off air, Scotty, I think, about... about um, oh, actually, it might have been all three of us talking about... about no, don't, how, don't worry about me. No, 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 I don't know. It was about, about affordability. I think that's an issue across the board with Suncorp Stadium. I think, and I think an issue with Queensland, you know, sport, sporting facilities in general. That you know, well, so I think we're talking about uh, how Adelaide Ben Stadium it, yeah. in Atlanta, where where they actually have their, the tickets. I mean, they, right, they have yeah. a ticket price, which might be slightly higher than the average, but the you know the concessions are all at a very reasonable price, and it seems to be drawing you know more crowds. You know, quantity over quantity. You know, Unfortunately, they do yeah. have a restaurant in that stadium that doesn't open on Sunday match days, but that's another story. I was <laughs> waiting for a Super Bowl yeah. joke done from you. You let me down. Oh, sorry. Uh, everything was uh, $3.28. No! <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, look, I think that might, I think it might be on, on point there that I think the reason why like the Raw's crowds are not better than what they are is because it is a hell of, ex- of an expense. Yeah. And I think it's. I think unfortunately, I think it might be an issue bigger than the raw right now. I think this is something that's in Queensland. That's that really also, only on the second or third page of issues around the A. And right? also, yeah. like the, th- I suppose the third, like, oh, let me start here. The kickoff times you got the f- Saturday four thirty-five, and then the Saturday, Friday and Saturday six fifty kickoffs. Yeah. That's the kick-off right. Times, I, not, I don't think the kickoff problems are that no. bad because we've seen it in the past. Those time slots have got good crowds in and good ratings. But I think it's it's back to the start of the promotion. They launched the league quietly on a Tuesday morning at a suburban golf club in Melbourne. Yeah, that's yeah. What is that? Nothing. We're one using thing. the same tagline and the same promotion from the year before, which look, we'll admit which worked, worked really well yeah. last year. But they didn't quite seem to have that same. I know everyone had a fan ambassador, but I didn't see him outside of the. Dad fan ambassadors. Everyone had one. You saw him. I think I saw the raw. And that's once. also one of those so, things where going forward, I feel like. This is just from my experience. In the clubs, you've got a lot of creative people involved. Like, from the people we've yeah. talked to, yeah. it seems like there's ideas that want to be done, but they're being, I suppose, strangled by the FFA. I think it's, I think it's the whole problem of the league at the moment as well, that it's so centralised that the FFA are so, um, I guess, you know, they're, they're so controlling as far as, you know, they do all the promotion and all that. There's probably a high case of the clubs, actually. The, the clubs, actually, the CEOs go back and say, look, you guys dropped the ball, and... The, the league itself yeah. suffer because yeah, of that. Let you. us do our own yeah. localising, or at least work in partnership and say, look, you're going to have a national promotion, but also localise yeah. as well. It might be it might be interesting it's to see. Let us, some clubs yeah. do drop yeah. the ball with the local stuff. That's the problem. Not yeah. every, you, you said a lot of clubs do some good creative stuff. Not everyone does. That's yeah, the problem. Unfortunately, the Raw, uh, I think they're, they're getting better. It's a bit of a way to go as far as their marketing goes. Um, locally, I think that's one. I know it's... 
Oh, I'm seeing so much more in the last two years than I yeah. had before that. Look, it, yeah. is get, it is getting better than it was you know, maybe two years ago when I don't think they had a marketing department. So you stop. mentioned earlier about five or things you want to see for next season. One thing I want to see is teams take some initiative and creativity in recruiting. You're seeing this year teams who've put some effort into their recruiting have benefited from it. Like Newcastle went out in the limb and bought Ronald Vargas in and before he broke his leg he was brilliant and they had a great season. And look he was at, pretty good after he broke Look at his what leg Leroy George did for Melbourne Victory. Look at what the rewards Sydney FC have got for good recruitment. To me it Good recruitment at at teams was what I do because you recruit good teams, good players. You'll you'll play good football and you'll get people in the door. Yeah, the, the Look, thing, it's, it's the just thing the way is, it works, Scotty. I think the one thing is is that where the problem lies is with that, and I absolutely agree with you. Yeah. The problem is is then you and you saw the hysteria for even for half a day. Andres Iniesta's name pops up that oh that for some lost in translation yeah. mother oh that he's interested in Australia. Everyone's going crazy. But what club can A afford him? I'm not talking about guys like Ines. Yeah. I'm talking about guys oh, no, like George no, 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 and Bobo no, 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 and but, but Peter Crouch. In, in, this, in this confines, yeah, we, yeah. we all know exactly what, you know, like your, mar- your marquee players are not guys that, you know, play for Barcelona and, you know, uh, you know run third in the, in the Ballon d'Or. They're good, solid professionals. The problem is, is that if you're going to keep pandering to the mainstream and these Euro snobs, unfortunately the clubs, they have to look beyond that. And I think... I think that's that's the big battle at the moment. Is that do you go for a massive name like Alessandro Del Piero, or do you go for a like the likes of Leroy George? You know, a you know in that sort of kilter. Uh, you know, Adrian Mizioski, who's probably the biggest name. You know that who's a fringe I'd like to see, but, yeah. I'd like to see teams um, show some ambition to yeah. actually want to win the competition because there's a few teams this year I don't think really were genuinely trying to win it based on their recruitment. And and that leads into the final point of. The final series. I, look, I was more than happy to see the Raw make it in sixth spot this year, but if you're going to have a 10-team league for next season, drop it to a final four. You imagine you imagine those four teams battling... Over two legs. Bang, over two legs. That would have been yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. Exactly. Now, I think I think it's if they're going to review, irrespective of your allegiances or whatnot, if they're going to review the final series, do what a lot of people are saying. Two legs for a semi-final... One standalone final. Because yeah, what didn't work was the preliminary final when you had six teams. So that's why it, the two-leg thing fell apart. But also, the only, the only, I agree with you 100% on this. The only thing I'd say is if you cut it back to four, you're going to see a lot of teams dropping off from competitiveness very early on just because of the ladder. But I agree with you. A top four would be what I would do. And I do think that they need a final series because yeah. like for all the complaints of you're rewarding a team that's had a pretty poor season, which, look, let's be honest, the Raw did have... Yeah. If they, if you're rewarding that, consider how boring the season would have been when Sydney FC won the premiership with a month to go. But this but, whole thing, and this is where the, the, the argument becomes invalid, is that if you if you finish top four, you're going to have to win 12, 13, 14 games. I don't think you're rewarding mediocrity. I think as it stands, yes. Yeah. But if if they go forward and actually cut back to four over two legs, then you know what? I don't think you can call it mediocrity. And, and look, they, 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 all, these, all these people yeah. carrying on about final series, you know, these old NSL guys. Look, you guys had the longest final series in the history of the world <laughs> back in two thousand in the early two thousand. So it's been yeah, part of Australian one, soccer one for, forever. Point. On the final series, I hope when they expand the A League, they don't also expand the final series no, to eight. That oh, would be absolute no. lunacy. Oh, no. From, you, you just know the FFL consider it yeah. like there's more games all the rest no, of From it. all accounts, or at least the reports that are coming out, they've said they're going to... They put it at six with the idea of it being a 12 and 14 team competition. So we hope that stays, but... Yeah. yeah. Eight, eight, eight works, but you need 16 
Yeah, well, my general rule is 30 to 40%. That's what the NFL's got, and yeah. although that being said, the NHL has the best postseason tournament in sports, and they let 16 of 31 teams in. So, yeah. you know. Speaking of Game 7, Nashville versus Winnipeg tomorrow, I cannot wait, even though I'm a Boston fan. Would you lot hurry up and finish off with Philadelphia too, by the way? We're waiting. That's the basketball. Exactly, we're waiting. Hurry up. Yeah, you know, actually, just on a quick tangent. <laughs> uh, Adam, your microphone's off. <laughs> Yep. Normally it's my microphone that turns off. So just off. push that button. In. I, yep, okay, there we go. We're back on. <laughs> I, so I, Adam might have, you might have finally phoned me. <laughs> <laughs> Only took how many episodes? Yeah. <laughs> Who said we need to go on a break? Yeah, that's right. Yes, on that basketball tension, I'm pretty <laughs> yes. sure I'm the only person in the office that's backing the Celtics right now, but frankly, I don't care. Just hurry up. We're waiting. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to clo- We know we're running a little bit long, but you're going to miss us over the next month or so, so we're giving you just that little bit extra Brisbane football review yeah. right now. In so- the stoppage time. Season recap. So let's start off with our favourite show. Adam, what was your favourite? Oh, jeez. <laughs> I should have done some more research. <laughs> Look, you know what? I actually thought... Go right back to I think episode two. I think when we went to Lions, I think that was actually yeah. when yep. we were there for for the uh, charity. Were they charity? That was yeah. That was mostly recorded at Lions, but we did have a bit of a spread with uh, Trent McAvoy at Penn Power and Jack yeah. Hingett and Corey yeah. Brown at Ballymore a few days later. Yeah, the that, ones that stand out for me are the ones like we've actually got to talk about some really fun stuff. So. The show after the NPL Grand Final was really fun. That was remarkable. Yep. Yeah. The show 24 hours after the Champions League debacle was also yeah, yep. just a fun, fun thing to talk about. They're probably the two shows that stand out for me in terms of stuff we've talked about. And well, actually, the, one of the shows that really jumps out for me was uh, the one we recorded on the 9th, or released on the 9th of August, post FFA Cup round of 32, where we recorded three segments at Penn Power on the Saturday after that friendly. Yep. And then... Uh, the one, actually, at, in the press room at, at Perry Park. Park. Yeah, in a, in a very sombre press room. Yeah. A very empty one, too, actually. Wasn't Which I was also thinking, okay, I just need to get through this because I'm about to get married in three days. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah, that was... Yeah, that was a good one. And then, what do we also have? Uh, so, it's also the one where um, you were away and... Oh, yeah, yeah which I remember listening to on a beach in uh, Thailand and then getting messages going, I don't know how you do it. The, <laughs> other, actually, the, other, the other one that stands out for me actually was the, one of the ones that I wasn't here that I actually happened to listen to on the plane on the way home was when uh, Vince was on the show. I thought that was yeah. a really... That, that segment four about the Bangalore thing, that was a... That was a that you was know, great, because I could yeah. just sit back and let Scott and Vince go at it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was no, great, so that's a, probably another one that stands out that you know, I know I was involved in, so... Yeah, and also, I suppose, if we're talking about favourite moments, I did quite enjoy the uh, review of Socceroos Honduras, where I just yelled for about five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, yeah, best interview, I I honestly can't pick one, although when we interviewed those Penn Power players on the field after the grand final... Penn Western Power? Pride. Uh, Western Pride, sorry. I, I'm i reading three things here. Interviewing the Western Pride <laughs> players after that grand final, that was yeah. remarkable. Yes. All right, and yeah, the on-location stuff was good too, yes. so... I have to keep that in mind for season three. I'm assuming we're going to be renewed by our DFS down in Melbourne. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> That's up to you, isn't it? I don't know. We're Start negotiations. <laughs> All right, guys. So, any final thoughts before we close out? No, it's been another fun yeah. season uh, doing the podcasting. The results on the A League level didn't quite go to plan, but had a lot of fun covering it, and it's also a, it's expanding our coverage into the local league as well. That's been really fun. Absolutely. Yeah. I, and then I, I, look, I agree with you on that, that, you know, it's it's fun and we can talk to the cows come home about the Raw, but I actually think, you know, our, you know, it's a lot of fun, you know, what, you know, especially the staleness of the A-League in a little yeah. bit. 
you know, it's actually fun to get out there to the local grounds, you know. And, and we'll still be and around when, yeah. the, when we're on, on the break, so. Yeah, absolutely. As I said, if you want to get in contact with us, I'll mention it again. Facebook, The Raw Review, Twitter, at Raw Review, yeah. and the email is brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, send through, yeah, questions, feedback, comments. We... Honestly, love hearing from yeah. both of our listeners. So. Even, even, if you, <laughs> yeah. even if you recognise us around the grounds, come and have a chat. Yeah, especially the we'll uh, on ca- especially the yeah. narcissist who loves to put his face in front of a camera at every opportunity. <laughs> just look down and you'll see me. <laughs> or just find the nearest camera. All right, that's going to be it for this episode and season two of the Brisbane Football Review. We are going to be taking a little break for a while before we kick off season three. But before we do that, we have a few people, of course, we'd like to thank. First of all, our co-host who came on board and filled in, mostly for Adam. <laughs> we had Angela Basich, Vince Rigari, Alex from the Queensland Socceroo supporters and Simon Smale. Our guests this season, Fahid Ben Kalfala, Trent McAvoy, Jack Hingant, Corey Brown, Cameron Crestani, Dylan Wenzel-Halls, Joe Duckworth, Adam Ondine, Jesse Rigby, Massimo Madoka, Mel Andretta, Katrina Gori, Tamika Butt, Ivan Franjic, Hayley Rasso, David Pure, Connor O'Toole, and Michael Theo. That's a fair list. (laughs) And the clubs and groups and places that have helped us out with on-location recording, interviews, and whatnot. Mm. We've got Lions FC, Peninsula Power, Grange Thistle, Brisbane Roar and the RSF, 4X Brewery, plus finally Brisbane City. You also forgot Brisbane Strikers on that list from the Perry Park. And also thank you to you, James, for hosting the show most weeks here at your place along with your wife, Beck. It's been great to do the show here every week. And also, Adam, for hosting it when James was away. Oh, I'm glad you guys came here because it also means we've got a good coffee machine. Yes. (laughs) No, look, just there personally, thank you guys a lot. Now, like I said, football... Football, sort of, you know, it's it's a passion, and you know what to, to share it with you guys and opinions every week. You know, it's 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 awesome. It's a pretty good passion project yeah, yeah. we've got going yeah, right now, and yeah, we will be back next season with podcasts, fan cams, videos, all sorts of and stuff. Maybe maybe a few more surprises. Yeah. We do what? Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk oh, yeah. about it. A new host, right? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> yeah, so just because we've been ta- renewed. <laughs> oh, thank God! The option kicked in the contract, yeah. so we. Yeah, come find us at NPL games over the off-season or when we're back. Uh, we, our next show will definitely we'll probably coincide with the Raw pre-season. Sometime in early, mid-June, somewhere around there. And the World yeah. Cup, probably. We will definitely be back before the FFA Cup round of 32. But for now, thanks to everyone who has listened to us this season. We obviously wouldn't have a show without listeners. And we're looking forward to a lot more coming up. Enjoy some local football in the meantime, and we'll be back in a few weeks. Until then, goodbye and mercy, Arsene. <laughs>